0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith,
1: and I'm Matt Connor. We
0: are going to theater heaven in
1: season seven of
0: the, of the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show: Theater ooh. Stories Edition. All right, uh, we're in a heat wave. It still hasn't broken yet. Uh, it's very hot.
1: Whenever I'm with you, ooh, something ooh. inside. inside.
0: Um, How are you doing today? What's going on in your life?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah.
0: It's been a great day. Yeah? Uh, Anything personal you want to tell the audience about? Anything to do with you and me going on right now?
1: Um, I'm still getting new teeth. Yep. How's the dental update? It's it's coming. I think the last visit, I'm going to get three new teeth. I think you should just get
0: the candy corns from the store and just plump them up there. And mm-hmm. that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's going to be the uh, solution.
1: Yep. We start rehearsals soon for Find Your Light. We start rehearsals for Monarch soon. We start rehearsals for Pinocchio soon. Uh, Sleepy Hollow is in rehearsals right Extended now. Extended today. Extended today. In North Carolina. We're very excited. So anyway... Um, what's up with our first story? Should I I start with Jared?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, we
1: know Jared from... Jared
0: Murray. Uh, We know him from Signature signature Land. Yeah. Um, And now,
1: I think he... I I know he moved to New York. I'm not sure if he's still there.
0: But he has uh, done the sheer madness. At the Kennedy Center. Yes. Which is the
1: longest... Was the longest running something, something, something.
0: Yeah, and he gave us this story... uh, And we're just gonna take a listen right now. Um, Matt, if you could just put that phone near the recorder, we'll
1: play this and see what happens. I need to request access to this right now. Oh no. So can you give me access to that? I cannot. Okay, all right. Well,
0: give us one moment, we'll figure this out. We'll be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Oh, yeah. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Yeah. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against the world trying to keep them apart. <laughs> Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. We are back. Uh, we are going to now listen to Jared Murray's story.
2: Take it away, Jared. Hey everybody. My name's Jared Mason Murray and I'm an AEA SAG-AFTRA actor and writer. Uh, and for about five years, I did a show called sheer madness at the Kennedy center in Washington, DC off and on for those five years, did the show just about a thousand performances. And, um, Anyone who's done any kind of long-running show will tell you that, you know, you give it your all, you give it 100%, but when you do that many shows, you're just going to have some where, like, every single thing that can go wrong does go wrong. And in those five years, um, one stands out particularly. Uh, If you don't know anything about Sheer Madness, Sheer Madness is, it's America's longest-running comedy, and it's it's basically a murder mystery that has audience involvement about halfway through the show the lights come up and the audience helps solve the mystery so the fourth wall is broken and the audience is involved you know from basically that point on so you know if anything goes wrong there's no real dodging it everybody's seen it and they're talking to you so they're gonna bring it up so it's early on in the show early on in the two hours the lights are still down the fourth wall is still present and we're we're Solving this mystery. Someone's just been killed, and, and I'm one of the police officers. So we're we're serious. We're taking it as seriously as we can. We're trying to solve this it? And as I'm standing there, young detective, with my pad and pen in my hand, writing down evidence, I see something out of my peripheral, out of my periphery, in the lights, like a flash in the lights up overhead. Now, usually I'm deep enough in character, I wouldn't notice this, but I've done this show of however many hundreds of times at this point so like whatever's happened shouldn't be happening and as i see this splash i turn up to my right and swooping down from the rafters like batman descending on gotham is the largest flying cockroach i have ever seen and it is it is coming straight for my head i mean it is from the ceiling all the way down, and this is the Kennedy, it's a huge venue. I mean, so this thing, I have, but it's, it must be going fast, because I have just enough time to just kind of look up, see it coming straight at me, a duck for my life, and it swoops my head and lands right on the middle of the stage. This thing, it's the, to this day, it's the largest cockroach I have ever seen. I mean, three plus inches long. An inch and a half, inch plus wide. I mean, you could put a saddle on this thing. I mean, it is huge. And <laughs> so we're all trying to stay in character, but it has landed in the center of the stage, just barely missing me. And everyone, me, the audience, the cat, every single, the director. Oh, Bob Lorman, longtime artistic director and direct He originated one of the roles in the show. He's been doing it since the 80s. Bob Lorman, of course, is in the house that night. So he is in the back losing it. Aaron Shields, who's been in the show 20 years, is on stage. And I mean, he's got his hand over his mouth because he can't believe that this prehistoric creature has landed on the middle of the stage. And we're all just trying to keep it together. And so for the next 20, 25 minutes, as the show continues, it just mills around the stage and and there's nothing that we can do about it. And I'm sure at this point, no one is listening to a word, we say. I mean, they're just watching this thing as it wanders around the stage. A couple of the ladies, Nora Palka was in the show at the time. I think a couple of the ladies tried to step on it, you know, as they did their crosses from one end of the stage to the other. But it would dodge out of the way or fly a foot or two and reland. I guess if we'd been smart, we would have in character death. Hey, Whitcomb, what kind of house are you? Don't you have an exterminator? You know, we should have done something in character and just acknowledged it. But everybody was in full-blown panic mode. So anyway, we get through the 20 minutes, just staying in character as best we can, and the lights come up for audience interaction. And at this point, I guess because it's the point where there's no... I mean, the lights are up now. So now you can really see it. We've illuminated this gargantuan Godzilla-like creature. I remember Nora Palka took a towel. There's a towel on stage. She took a towel and threw threw a towel over it and in three-inch heels or four-inch heels, I don't know how tall they were, big, big, tall heels, she attempts to stomp on this thing, so she's like doing a dance on top of a towel, and it escapes from the towel. Like, it stomped on and it survived. The thing was invincible. So someone maybe Aaron see when he was wearing shoes or whoever played Nick was wearing boots like something really squishes it and I mean it for the entire 386 seats or 400 seats however many it was to hear does the crotch squish and there's just a big oh from everyone you gotta clean it up it's all over the stage and then we try so we try to finish the show and play the murder but at this point everybody's moved on and I remember at the end of the show so usually afterwards you go out to the atrium of the Kennedy Center and there are people who saw the show and they want to talk about the murder and who really did it and who you know all anyone could talk about was the cockroach it's the only thing that anyone brought up and it's the only one anything remembers from that show so that will forever go down in history as the cockroach show and nobody remembers anything else about it so I would say to this day in all of my theater, theaterdom, that was the craziest, most embarrassing, not really anyone's fault, just an act of nature uh, situation that I have ever been in. So anyway, thanks for listening to my crazy cockroach story. Hey, uh, thanks, guys.
0: Okay, well, first of all, Another murder was committed on stage in front of the audience.
1: Yeah, it really kind of upped the ante. Uh, Well, I guess they knew who did it. Well, clearly... It was another layer of killing.
0: Nora, we love you. We're disappointed in the murder attempt. I mean, this poor bug was just trying to live its best life and be an actor like all of us.
1: I think the bug maybe had been there before they were. I
0: mean, by the size of it, it sounds like it's been here before all of us. Um,
1: um, have you ever been on stage with an animal that, has a, like an animal thing, you know an the animal they, thing? What, what do they say? They say don't be on stage with, with kids dogs, or, yeah, or dogs, animals. Yeah. Um, have you ever had like a bird get get loose or like a dog that wasn't trained? Or
0: I don't think nothing
1: I... went wrong when you were outside. Wolf trap
0: as far as bugs or bees or no. Uh, I never had any kind of, I don't think there's any animal story that I could tell, but I've had very rare interactions with animals on stage that were unsuccessful. We had like a goat and Pippin, right?
1: (laughs) We did?
0: Yeah. Or a A, lamb or something. A Shenandoah? Yeah. Yeah. There was a pen in the back in Armstrong. Do you remember the pen for
1: the animal? I don't.
0: Yeah. There was a live goose. It was a goose.
1: It was, it was. um... Yeah. Yeah. It was a duck or something. Oh my gosh! Well, all I could think about was as he was saying that, I could almost, I could almost see this slow motion bug prehistoric trilobite. prehistoric yeah coming down towards him as he's like, oh god, is this really happening? I'm supposed to be in a, a professional show. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. I mean.
0: I feel bad for the bug. It was just trying to be a star. We don't know about reincarnation. Is it true? Is it mm-hmm. not? Was that John Gilgood? Was that some actor of the past? He's trying to get back into another show? I mean, honestly, like I opened the Kennedy Center, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the bunny man, now, Bunnyman Brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample, and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at bunnymanbrewing.com. All right, we are back. We are now going to hear another story from Jason Marks about his experience at Virginia Repertory Theater, which we'll be at twice this this year, well, once this year and once next year with Silver Bells this season and on air in the spring. But this is uh, Jason Marks' experience at Guys and Dolls, at Virginia Repertory Theater. Take it away, Jason.
3: I was doing a production of Guys and Dolls with Virginia Repertory Theater in 2007 or 2008, somewhere around then, playing Nicely, Nicely. Great company of artists, wonderful group of people. And it was a pretty long run, and we were midway through the run. And uh, we had a Wednesday matinee and a pretty good crowd. They were very into it, but there was one gentleman in the back of the orchestra section who, it was very evident he had had a couple of glasses of wine before the show. And what was funny about it was that the audience would laugh at a joke, and then their laughter would die down, and then he would get the joke about i don't know 20 seconds after the the joke was over so the you know something funny would happen the whole audience would laugh die down and then out of the back of the house you'd hear <laughs> <laughs> and the whole audience then laughed at him and it just got more and more ridiculous as the show went on and interrupted several poignant moments in the show because he just cackled on his own. It was he had to be there.
0: Um Jason Thank you so much for sharing that. That's um You know it's it's an interesting thing when you're dealing with the audience as a character.
1: Yeah, because that is a really good thing, and sometimes a really bad thing. But my gosh, the, the 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 night that you you're performing and you have that one person that you you know like where they are in the theater, the what, cackle, the cackle, or mm-hmm. you know the drunk or whatever. Um, there was one night at Signature Theater when. Um, Were they trying to figure out were they, someone was trying to figure out something about uh, I can't remember. We thought we all thought that somebody was trying to take a picture.
0: Oh, this was specific over church. And we we
1: were so in, not embarrassed, but it we thought someone was trying to take a picture. And Will Garcher like yelled at them like you know, no, I don't. And it ended up being like a handicap device or something. Opera glasses. Opera glasses, yeah, something. Something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think I've told this story in the podcast 10 times, but I'll tell it anyway. And if you've heard it before, don't tell me. Um, how I learned to drive at Arena Stage, the scene of uh, the countdown to the 18th birthday of Little Bit, and Uncle Peck is writing her letters saying, 10 days to your 18th birthday. And he intends to like visit her and have sex with her. And it's very tension building sequence of letters read by the Greek chorus is very effective. And this man who looks very much like the actor playing uncle Peck is stands up and says, if he touches her, I'm going to leave. And the audience is like, what? And then he folds his arms and stands in the middle of the aisle and says, I'm leaving with each letter. And then he finally goes to the back of the theater and stands and says, I'm walking out the door. And somebody yells, please do. And (laughs) at any rate, I thought, boy, you just out of yourself is like a pedophile because this bothered you a little too much. We go to the theater to learn about things and to see truths of things that are, maybe under the surface that we don't want to think about. But How I Learned to Drive is a very, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning work about incest and about that kind of thing that you don't speak about. So when someone reacts in that way, you kind of go, why don't you want to speak about it, buddy? I'm leaving. Well, then leave. Yeah, well, nobody
1: cares. What I love about Jason's... um Guys uh, and Dolls. Yeah, but a great speaking voice on the... um Oh, recording. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, what I loved about hearing about Jason, though, was what what was the deal? I mean, this guy, this gentleman, was it a gentleman or does it matter? This he said a gentleman, yeah. This gentleman is laughing. Is it because the audience just reminded him that there was a joke and then he thought about it and was like, oh, yeah, there was a joke. It was funny. Listen, everyone's or,
0: process of understanding is different. And do you ever hear those jokes that, like, that's a way Homer Meaning like on the way home, you're like, ha, ah, ha, Oh, now I get it. His brain process, maybe much like me, my brain is like got 20 windows open at all times. And sometimes I laugh late because I, everyone else laughs at the joke and I'm like thinking about my laundry. And then I'm like, oh, I just processed a joke and it's 30 seconds later. Now,
1: sometimes I don't laugh right away because I'm afraid if I laugh. I'm going to miss something in Elfes, the theatrical yeah. pro- process that's coming right but after This is it.
0: the opposite of that.
1: This is somebody who... <laughs> is laughing after the laughter.
0: It's like the coin dropped in the machine and took a while to get down and everyone else had process it first. God bless him. If, it could be wine. If
1: you are listening to this and you <laughs> think that this was you, please let us know.
0: Please laugh 10 seconds later and then contact us.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Um, All right. Well, these were uh, two theater stories this week. We've got two more episodes for you before we go to spooky season. Um, There's a lot going on in our lives we've talked about. um, We have a couple more special stories coming from people who have sent in stuff. We've got another uh, three episodes.
1: Okay. Uh, Who else are we looking forward to that's sending us stuff?
0: Um, well, I'm not going to talk about the people who have sent us stuff. I'll say there's two more lives. Two more lives and
1: two more recorded. Yeah. Okay, so three more. Uh, Correct. We'll do the two back-to-back that are yeah. recorded. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and
0: do you want us to reveal who the lives are?
1: No, it's not. No, it can be a surprise. Okay, well...
0: Mm. Just keep on listening. All right, all right. Well, theater stories, yet again... I hope you enjoy your weekend. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jason. We're going to start rehearsal for Find Your Light on Monday. And hes we talked about all this in the beginning. So we're really excited about all of that. And uh, we can't wait to uh, bring you another episode next week. Until then. Have a great time. Um, If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find us on Connor and Smith. Again, Connor with an ER. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Really helps us out a lot. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. And um, thank you for being you and listening, tuning in, and we love you all. Um, Till next week. Bye. Bye!